Hey there again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Common Sense Living Podcast. My name is Catherine, and as usual, I am your host. We are going to be doing another segment today, which actually includes an interview with somebody. Her name is Jessie, and she is the mind behind Nevermind Blog. And I will just keep this intro nice and short, so without further ado, let's get into it. Alright, so I'm going to start off here by introducing Jessie. Jessie is the mind behind Nevermind Blog, and she is a blogger who believes that happiness and mindset is a choice. Having struggled with depression and anxiety, she wants to help others who have struggled mentally and guide them towards unlocking a better mindset for a happier life. I connected with Jessie on Instagram and have formed such a supportive online friendship with her. So Jessie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored that you um, asked me, so... Thank you very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Very happy to have you on the show and to finally connect with you face to face online, yeah. you know? Like, it, it's exactly. great. We've been talking, yeah, we've been talking for a while, so it's nice to finally be seeing each other's faces and be talking like that. So. Um, I actually had a question on my mind that's been on my mind since I think the first time that I ever saw your account. Uh, why did you call it Nevermind Blog? and everything and you cover a lot of like stuff about mental health and your like your thoughts and like basically mindset mondays which is like all about the yeah. mind all about the thoughts and everything and so obviously a lot of us struggle with uh, some thoughts that we have in our minds that we sometimes think is like the end of the world but i love that you called it nevermind blog because it's just kind of like ah oh, never mind it's not that big of a deal just yeah, need to... thank you <laughs> Yeah, no, because it, it's like it's like the saying: if if it doesn't matter five years time, don't spend more than five minutes thinking about it or, or worrying about it. And that's that's kind of where it originated from. Just that thought of: is this really even going to be a problem for me in an hour or next week, like a month? So five years, definitely not. So, <laughs> just, um, so yeah, it kind of came from. Um, from the notion of just going back and thinking, kind of getting into the present moment, is this really important to me to put my energy on that or can I do something about it instead? I love that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's really important to protect our energy. It's something I've learned over the years too, just setting boundaries, 
projecting our energy and I love how you also enforce this in your work and it's just like I, I think that part of being a blogger because like I guess I'm sort of a blogger too you write a lot more than I do uh, I mean like I've kind of like fallen off the bandwagon a little bit more because I've been focusing more on my Instagram content my podcasting and everything so I think that this is just like really important to focus on because a lot of us kind of like especially now we have a hard time setting boundaries either with work either with like people in our lives as well like even with ourselves you know we think that we should be doing producing doing all this stuff in reality i think it's important to like you said like we should give ourselves a break like a little part of the day reserved for you just to relax and uh, just be i certainly agree um it's so important just to kind of fill your own cup and then give the speed of this to everyone else and it sounds so selfish and people are going to think well that's really selfish but it's not because when we have our cup filled there's always going to be spillovers that we can give to everyone else and if we always pour in a lot of water into that cup then it's going to be so much that's overflowing that we can just give away and the more that we are just not filling that up and we're just draining that cup the less we can give others too so it always comes back to putting you as a priority and having self-care as a priority and not a luxury mm-hmm. and it's like they even say it on the planes you know put the mask on self first so we have to do that <laughs> it's not selfish at all it's uh, it's the most selfish thing that we can do i totally agree i love those two analogies that you made too and it's like it does seem so selfish right because i mean like if you don't i don't know if you kind of like see it from a perspective that is kind of like oh i'm giving so much to people because i'm nice because i need to like if you focus on your own self then you're selfish like how dare you like a lot time in your own day to your own self like but that's not selfish it is your life you need to take control of your own life your own emotions and be there for others like when they need you but also be there for yourself yes exactly i think um because i remember when i got into this is just an example when i got into my relationship with my with my boyfriend when when we started meeting i was really bad at setting boundaries i've never been good at setting boundaries people pleasing and all of that so and my energy was kind of always strained and one of his love languages is affection so having a nice hug or like telling him like just touching him or like just giving him a kiss or whatever that might be but when I so I wasn't that good at that because my cup was always drained and I had I had to do it like it was an obligation almost which sounds so strange. But when I started focusing on filling my cup and putting me first, there was so much overflowing. So now I just have so much energy and like love I want to give. <laughs> so it just comes so naturally. <laughs> yeah, it, it would definitely show up more. In different areas of your life um in work um with your family friends colleagues anything and everywhere i mean everything becomes better when you take care of yourself it's not just for you um you start to take care of everyone else more as well so definitely definitely important to make us a priority yeah exactly yeah. You know, we talk a lot about, like, relationships and everything, but I think, like, the biggest relationship, the best relationship we should really start on is the one with ourselves, because that's the one we're going to bring into every other situation that we have. So we got to focus on that one first and foremost, but that's often the hardest relationship to deal with. Because, I I don't know, like, when I first got into my relationship now, like, uh, like, this was, like, nine years ago, and this was the first relationship I had ever been in, like, and I'm now married to that person. (laughs) 
so it's like the only relationship too and I'm more than okay with that basically I think I had a really hard time setting boundaries because even like with my parents even with my family and everything I I tried to make them happy I tried to do things that like made them proud but at the same time I didn't really think about myself in a way you know like I wanted to like make them happy but nobody's gonna ever really like celebrate your victories as much as you and you're gonna be the one living through them so you might as well like make the choices that are good for you and uh so i mean for my relationship and everything um i was kind of bad at setting boundaries in the beginning as well and i learned through the course of the relationship that i should stop focusing so much on the other person because of course i love him and everything at the same time as i need to make time to love myself and ever since then like our relationship has changed so much for the better because we have our own interests we're able to be our own people outside of the relationship and then when we come together like like you said, the cup is overflowing with so much love and everything that's just such a positive environment and it's like a healthy, super healthy relationship and like, it's it's great. Like, we've grown a lot together so I'm really happy about that. Exactly. I love it. That's so lovely to hear and that is exactly what um, we want it to be, right? And also because like, it's like you said, we are, we're only going to be able to be able to show up for ourselves, like be certain that we are always going to be there for us. Um, but we need to build that relationship with ourselves to to be to like to be our best friend because we are essentially the only person we can be certain with that we're going to be living with for our whole life, <laughs> 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 and we're spending so much time giving to everyone else, but we're forgetting that we we are important too. We are really we um, the person that we can count on every single time. So mm. part of that is doing self care. Um, and putting ourselves first and setting boundaries um, so definitely yeah yeah it's crazy like how much stuff is needed for a um, a better life i guess i mean like it's something that we learn a lot over time and i mean i think that the concoction is kind of different for everybody but self-care for sure is definitely one of them also setting boundaries like you said and then just like you know, there's a bunch of other things too that may differ person to person, but we do have to really focus on our relationship with ourself first and foremost, for sure. So I mean, like, I think that a, I think the positive mindset too kind of has like something to deal with living a better life. And I know that you talk a lot about mindset. You always have like these wonderful stories on your mindset <laughs> Mondays. And I was just wondering what a positive uh, mindset meant to you. Like, what consists of a positive mindset to you? I think, um, so this has actually changed. If you had asked me that a year ago, it would mostly be just kind of mindset, the masculine energy. I don't know if you heard about masculine and feminine energy, but mm-hmm. it's like really like go all in, like yeah. development junkie, just mindset. But I think for me, um, as I've tapped more into a little bit of like the spiritual side, it feels like it's taking my personal development to a whole nother level um, and focusing also on gratitude and being more in the present moment. So I think a positive mindset is someone that, someone with a positive mindset is being someone that is grateful for all the small things and don't even, like also don't suppress the feelings, don't feel shame for the feelings, being able to express them and coming in with like self-compassion because I think when we put shame on our feelings, for example, for crying or being upset about something or not validating our own feelings, 
it's so easy to just they have actually done studies on this that people with a growth mindset is someone that also has more some compassion so when we have more compassion with ourselves and essentially compassion means so co means with and passion means suffering so when we come in with compassion so we cut the suffering we're actually able to accept the feelings that we have let them go and then move on without suppressing them because otherwise there would just be layers and layers and layers of all of these emotions suppressed and over time that is just going to lead us to not be productive be harsh on ourselves be self-critical um, and the studies have shown that the people who are more compassionate and have a growth mindset is someone that actually thrives more and are able to reach their goals more so i think definitely gratitude being grateful for things um allowing yourself to feel emotion having self-compassion um and living in the present moment and being optimistic about things so even this is this is a bit hard because obviously we all have really challenging situations in life or meeting events that are hard or challenging situations that we just can't see any good in at all but the more that we can practice gratitude and being optimistic and seeing things in small struggles or challenges that we have the easier and the more that we open up to the ability of seeing for example if we fail at something or made a mistake at something that maybe that rejection is just a redirection and it's a lesson rather than us failing at something that's that's wonderful that you've covered so many important points there that i totally agree with and i mean like a positive mindset definitely has to deal with a lot of different things and i love that you acknowledge the fact that like your mindset has changed from like a kind of like more masculine like mindset like i i, I actually love that post that you did before masculine and feminine like energies yeah. was it was it energies or yeah. like yeah, yeah. And I just realized how much masculine energy I had in the past or just kind of have now to be totally honest with you like I've like I covered like something about my ego recently because like it's something that I've really noticed over time and I've just become more self-aware of that and I'm like this isn't serving me like I'm just getting mad and holding on to that anger and that's not productive it's gonna it's gonna leak out into other parts of my life. I'm gonna become bitter. And like, I'm trying to make a better life for myself and trying to show up as my best self for others. Like, how am I supposed to do that if I can't even let go of my old grudges? So it's like, I, I think that was just very, um, I had a lot, a lot of pride. I, I think it could have to have done with a bit of my upbringing. Like, um, I covered this a little bit in like, I think my, uh, my other podcast about like ego and everything, but uh, I felt always like the pressure to perform from my parents and uh and if i didn't live up to that again like i would feel like less worthy and everything and like i don't know if it's like yeah. the asian culture that's sort of like this like it propagates kind of like you should be like a certain way so that your that that your family members could be proud of you and like deem you worthy it, it definitely sounds like it'd be like a wounded because we both have masculine and feminine like mm-hmm. everyone has that um and then we have the wounded masculine and wounded feminine as well and the masculine is the one that's very critical go 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 whereas the feminine is more creative nurturing and i like, can multiplying kind of person so and also when the self-compassion comes in so for someone who's very um 
has quite a dominant masculine. I used to have this too, really dominant um, of the masculine energy. But someone that has that and is very self-critical, it's good to balance up because we want a balance between the feminine and the masculine. Um, so if we come in, for example, with a little bit more feminine, so coming in with self-compassion and giving ourselves for um, as soon as we have a certain thought, um, instead of just telling ourselves that we are dumb or stupid for having that thought, but coming in with self-compassion and forgiving yourself and then moving on, um, that's what we want. So that is kind of creating that balance of, of the feminine and masculine. And there's so much more that goes into it, but uh, it definitely leads back to um, to our childhood when we were when we were younger, and that's where um, inner child work is um, is really good too. So yeah, um, yeah, between the ages of zero to fourteen, because that's well, see, zero to fourteen is mostly where like the subconscious is really working hard. But between the, it's the critical period um, between two and seven, where our actually synapses, so the connections in our brain, doubles the amount that we have now when we're adults, mm. because we have to be able to pick things up quickly and learn quickly for us to survive. So, and the thing that kind of happens between those ages of zero to fourteen, and especially the critical period of two to seven <laughs> um, is what's really kind of affects us when we're growing up into the adult life. Um, it, a, a lot of those wounds with the feminine and the masculine energy, uh, all these behavior patterns um, and thought patterns too, often comes back to um, limiting beliefs that we started to developing when we were, when we were younger in our childhood years. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's a really interesting point. I heard that you were doing inner child work as well. Yeah. And that's something that yeah. really interested me because I was like, I've never really heard about that before. I don't know if you want to share a little bit of your experience. I don't know if you'd be comfortable with that because like, it seems to be something that is not talked about that much, but I think that it could benefit a lot of people because we all are a sum of our experiences. And I mean, our childhood, it often carries into our adult life, like more than we know. So I don't know if you want to talk a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I love to. Um, so essentially, what we're doing when we're doing inner child work is we are reparenting ourselves. It's funny because when we when we little, we learn things, and then when we do this, we start to unlearn things and then learn things again. <laughs> but really, what we do, we are reparenting ourselves. So all of these thought patterns are in the subconscious mind, and the subconscious mind, ninety percent, ninety five percent of of our brain. So it's down in the subconscious that we have started to create all of these limiting beliefs so what we want to do is to tap into our subconscious and go back to our um, inner child actually our inner child um like how we know what's kind of true every single time we have an emotion arising and we feel like where does this emotion come from like a bit a bit a little bit confused what's going on or you're just triggered it's actually one of your inner children so it goes back to an event when we were younger so everyone has had events in their lives um traumatic events and the traumatic events can go from um anything from you know physical and emotional abuse like really serious to bullying. also that can also be a di different degrees too but so it's from one extreme to the other so but everyone has is some on this scale um, have gone through different traumatic events because when we were younger when we came into the world we 
had to have our needs met 24-7. And if they're not met, then it causes a friction in our nervous system of what's going on because we have to survive. And our parents is humans, so if they might not be able to meet all these needs 24-7. So if that happened, that something happened with us that lead us to have a traumatic event, essentially. Um, so, I mean, it, it could be if we were dancing, for example, I wanted to dance and then I, someone either told me that I couldn't dance or I even saw someone that were dancing but got older for expressing themselves. And that can lead us, when we are older, to be scared to express, to speak, to... Um, yeah, to be our true authentic self. So it can go steep of two or a few layers there. Um, but so what we do when we do inner child work is we go back to that event. So sometimes for some people, this can be really traumatic. So depending on what the trigger is and what happened, um, some people need to have someone there with them to hold space. So like a coach or a therapist or someone that's specializing in inner child work. But we can also always do inner child work on our own with through journaling and hypnosis we could also even write a letter to our younger selves as an adult or from the little girl or, or little boy's point of view write a letter what we, we would have needed in that situation to us now when we're older or to give that to them it's really interesting that you say like we have to like really reparent ourselves and like really go back to those traumatic events because as adults, we kind of don't like to revisit those. Like, we kind of like to leave them in the past. Like, they're there, and that's it. But, like, I think that really, a, like, a matter of self-reflection, self-awareness, and understanding where your triggers today came from, like, where they originated from. And then you could just sort of unravel them, understand them, and then let them go. I think it's a whole process, for sure, of letting go and understanding why you react certain ways. And I love that you acknowledge that... Is it like a sort of form of therapy in a sense, you think? Or... It is. You feel, yeah, it is. Um, what you first want to do is to kind of journal of what, what what's triggering you um, and what happened in the event so that you know when you're, for example, going through the hypnosis, if we do a hypnosis, um, and we we then go in to back to the, the um, event or just meet our inner child Um so that we know that what's actually causing it. And then um, you will start, you can start to feel teary and, and emotions coming yeah. up. I mean, depending on how the event was and how effective also it was, it can even lead up the whole week, a week and a half. I was emotional for a week and a half after doing just one. Um, but it was because I had so many realizations and things just made sense that so many, and also just suppressed emotions too. So the blood is coming up um, and out, but you will also start to feel a piece of um, a sense of peace and calmness afterwards, and it does feel really good. It's like pulling a plant up from the um, from the soil, and all these roots are dangling down with all the dirt like coming off. It's kind of like that. <laughs> um, but I think it's really good to do that because we often only kind of look at where we are and then just focus forward. But doing inner child work, we go back to the root cause of limiting beliefs or the traumatic event and triggers so that we can actually work through it from the root cause um, and then move on forward rather than just taking it from where we are now and going forward. We go back and go from the whole, the whole way through. 
that's really yeah that's a great that's a great way to think about it i feel like just from what you were saying that there could be a connection between that masculine and feminine energy and inner child work because like you're changing from the masculine energy to a more feminine energy of understanding self-compassion and everything yeah that makes sense because it's like you're essentially if we are having fear of judgment or we're very critical and harsh that's a protective mechanism that we have developed from that past event so now our masculine is dominant and that is our protective field that's how we are able to survive so that makes so sense because then we don't um our telling us to keep on doing these behaviors that probably aren't serving us but if we go back and change that then that's like a risk because we don't really know what's gonna happen if we tap into the feminine for example yeah that's nice to think about actually I love how we're just kind of like making connections here just like between all that we're talking about because I mean everything is connected right it is absolutely our mind has developed this survival mechanism um, and changing that can can put it at risk of not surviving if we're talking about evolution like going back all these years yeah it would make sense yeah because I don't know because like it's just something that I thought about because I think that even if we have a maternal presence in our in our lives as a child and everything like you said it's about getting our needs met and everybody has their own um set of needs that even if like your parents are doing the best they can which they of course are you know they're doing the best they can based on the knowledge that they know of because we're all humans and we're all figuring it out you have very specific needs i'm not just saying you i mean like the general then they thrive in certain environments and like parents are sort of figuring it out too like they want to help you become your best self at the same time as they maybe might not know that they could be pressuring you to do something that you don't want to because they're trying to figure you out but you're also trying to figure you out we're all like um like wounded children walking as adults so even our parents have all these wounds within them that they haven't probably dealt with so it of course like and it's like you said we we do the best with the knowledge that we have at the time so whatever they did like they did the best that they could and and i think that that's why we all walk around with these different wounds and um and traumas but it's no one's fault but it's our ability to kind of um to change that exactly and i think that as the defense mechanism we tend to sort of put the blame on others like to put the blame on those people that like made us feel terrible yeah. about ourselves like oh my parents made me this way so that's why i'm this way so then again the ego comes in defends us and says you are this person it's okay to be this person because that person traumatized you and now you are a result you are like a result of their bad behavior but like i think it's just like when we retake control of that like because i was also bullied as a kid a lot and uh, I, I don't know if that, like, it could go both ways, right? So, I mean, you could eventually become the bully or you could try and make the world a better place because you understand that pain associated with being bullied, you know? So, I mean, I, I chose the latter. I wanted to be a better person because of it. And, like, I, I, get, I still get really emotional when I hear other people are being bullied. I guess that's sort of, like, one of my triggers. Because I did work in an elementary school environment, and I saw some bullying happening, and that really resonated with me and really made me angry, but also um, brought up past trauma in my own life because I understood exactly where they were coming from. 
yeah i don't know that's like sort of like my inner childhood trauma like i mean like you said like we all have our own traumas that kind of like define who we are today and i think it's important to sort of like learn from them but also not be afraid of i guess reflecting on them from time to time just not staying in that place yeah yeah exactly choosing not to stay in there and trying to kind of untangle those beliefs and kind of separate them yeah exactly and it all comes back to again setting boundaries like with your past and your present but uh yeah i think it's just like really important to just kind of to understand that that's a, a formative event that may have shaped your life but it's not who you are anymore. That's something that you learn from and something that makes you better, but it's not a place of residence. Um, I'm just wondering, actually, this could be on the topic of like inner child work or just like just life in general. Are there any life experiences that shaped you into who you are today? Like that have really wanted you to start helping people and everything and just like contributed to who yeah. you are? I think that there must be quite a few. Like I was also bullied or teased, not to the extreme level, um, but there were days where I were, well, actually, I think it was probably three years, because I'm originally from Sweden, and when I moved to the UK, I started a school, obviously. <laughs> uh, and I was 12, I think. Uh, yeah, I was 12. And all of these girls were just different things. We were talking about um, a TV program that I had no interest in watching at all, or they were talking about each other, even if they were yeah. friends, and that wasn't me either. So I would leave the situation um, if they would ask me, like, so, Jesse, what do you think about this person? The thing I would say was, I don't know the person enough, so I can't really have anything. I don't have anything to say. Um, and then I would just kind of leave her because I didn't want to be around them. And I was 12. So sometimes when I think back, I'm very proud of myself for yeah. being able to kind of have that mindset of choosing not to be in an environment like that. Um, so I left and went to either go to the library to do my homework. So then when I came home, I could just be free and do whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> um, or I would do something else. But often what happens well three out of those five days i would walk home and it took probably 15 minutes for me to walk home and on my way from the school to my house it was this big field and it probably took like seven minutes like half half of the way was walking over this big field so there were other kids that would also walk the same way so if i was fast and there was no one kind of behind me i would just let my tears out um but if there was kids kind of like just in front of me I would just hold hold all my tears in all the way home, close my room door, like in my bedroom, and just cry for going through some um, business problems themselves. So I didn't want to kind of put the burden on them. So I would suppress and hold all these feelings inside till I came home, close the door, and just cried on my own. And my parents, for a long time, had no idea that I was just upset and didn't like, I had problems in school because. Essentially, what then happened was because I kind of didn't talk about the TV program <laughs> or about other people, people saw me as quiet and shy and just, I guess, probably boring too. I never heard any kind of language used towards me, but it was more, it, it, it was just a lot of teasing. I mean, there were a few words here and there, but, um, you know, it, it's, yeah. So I that's what happened. So that's probably definitely, but then also see these girls doing up to some other girl that might be shy and quiet and I would then go and sit next to her and make sure that she was okay so I think I've always kind of been just just wanting to help other people even though I'm going through something on my own but I definitely think that that was probably a big thing for me because that went on for I think 
three three years and then i decided to just leave that group i wasn't even like with them i was just strategically thinking ahead of okay um during these this break 50 minutes i'm not going to spend i'm going to spend time with them but then during the lunch the first 15 minutes i'm not going to and slowly i kind of like added on time and just kind of like disappeared <laughs> until I wasn't with them at all. I wasn't with them for the break, I wasn't with them for the lunch, so, and I was just spending time in the library doing my thing. And then I met a group of girls that were lovely that became my friends. So, But anyway, I definitely think that that was probably like the core essence because it was around that time that I also started to read personal development books because uh, my dad has some, he had some in his library, so I just picked one up and started reading it and then the rest is history <laughs> wow that's actually a really amazing story and i could tell that you have so much emotional maturity and strength from such a young age because like you said zero i think to 14 was like your most formative yeah. years so i mean a lot of things could get developed during that time and i think that those yeah. times really made you into who you are today and i'm glad that you've carried that emotional maturity through with you um, I think it's really bad, actually, like, just from what you're saying, that people get bullied because they're different. Because yeah. <laughs> you were very developed for your age, like, you were really, like, emotionally and, like, just, like, mentally developed, and they couldn't understand that. So what yeah. do people do when they can't understand you? It's that they start throwing, like, uh, like bad, like, vibes your way, bad energy, they start to shun you, and, like, not include you in things, because you're different, because they don't understand you. And if you are into the same things that they are, then, okay, you're my friend, but otherwise... I don't like you because you don't think the same way as me. It's like, kind of seems ridiculous. Exactly. I think that event, or actually my whole life I've been pretty much like alone from, so when, before I moved to and, and all of that bullying started, I was always on my own, kind of running around a different friends group, um, being friends with the teachers, being friends with um, all kind of ages in school, and I was just very much on my own. But if I if I was running to one group and they would do something I didn't enjoy do, doing, I would just run to another group. So I was just friends with everyone. So, <laughs> so I think I've always kind of been like this lone wolf. But I think during that time of being um, like bullied and teased, but I definitely think it led me to think that I was a lot more mature than a lot of people because even then in college which is in the UK when you go from the age of 16 to 18 um, again it was the same I was um, very much mature for my age and even adults told me this so I was always kind of on my own and never felt like I fitted in somewhere um, so I definitely think that that in itself also has just kind of shaped me who I am because I felt I wanted more of those deeper connections, deeper conversations, rather than just talking about a TV show or about someone <laughs> or celebrity or something like that. So everything often goes back to that time. So, yeah, I'm really happy that uh, you just had a strong sense of self in that case and that you weren't scared of being alone because, uh, unfortunately, I had been bullied two times by different friend groups in different parts of my life. So elementary school later in elementary school i was bullied by this group of girls and then eventually i had to call my parents in and uh, i had to distance myself from those people then i went into high school and i found a new group of friends and then for whatever reason one of them came in she was a uh, like this new student and everything we were really nice to her in the beginning like reached out to her and uh 
she started to um, turn my friend group against me. And sure enough, they all turned against me. And it was a really traumatic part of my life. And like, I didn't tell my parents this. I didn't tell anyone this because I, I was like older at this point. And it just kind of like, I just didn't understand why it was happening. I didn't understand why this person was like that. And the worst part is like when I was alone with her, she would be like this really nice person. We would be laughing, always having fun times together. We could relate to each other. And then all of a sudden, as soon as she's with other people, mom mentality, like I'm the bad guy all the time. I always felt like, that insecurity of being alone. It's kind of like almost being in a toxic relationship. Like, who are you without these people? And so, like, I was scared of being alone and being bullied for being alone. So I stayed with this group of friends, which was even more toxic for me than being alone. And I just sat in that toxic environment for like maybe like two years. And it obviously wreaked havoc on me. I, I, I cried a lot. And uh, I even told them I didn't like what they did. I was not very vocal back then, but like when I asked my parents like what I should do, they said, okay, maybe you could just like tell them how you feel. And I told them and they still didn't listen. And yet I was still friends with them. And I'm like looking back at myself, I'm just like, why, why was I so scared of being alone? I should have just like stayed by myself instead of having to endure this, you know? And I, I, I look back on it now and I'm like, I should have just gotten away from that. But when you're living in that moment, you kind of like feel like so helpless and everything. And like, that's when my depression, I think, really started. But I mean, it was really kind of because of me. I think that for sure, like what happened with you is that a lot of people have insecurities when they're in their formative years and they just kind of don't know how to deal with it. So instead of working on that, they use those insecure feelings and kind of projected onto other people i mean this still happens in adulthood and everything but uh i mean insecurities come out in like a whole slew of like negative ways and they tend to affect people as well like people like you who have a strong sense of self are like you're a lot better off in these situations but for people who don't have boundaries for people who are scared of being alone who are very dependent on others which unfortunately i was before i'm not anymore it's something i've like unlearned because you can't really rely on anybody except for yourself anyways and it's so much better to be alone than to be with like people that don't care about you that like live under this guise that maybe okay yeah i do care about you you're my friend you're my best friend and i love you but at the same time i also treat you like crap you know it's like i think that Honestly, uh, I'm really happy to hear that you never got sucked into that situation. It was just a really negative time for me. And yeah, it was just like not a fun time. No, it sounds sounds definitely very traumatic um, and very challenging and tough. Um, And I think probably like looking at it from, I think one of the reasons perhaps why you chose to stay, because it's always easier to cut the vents and Mm -hmm. analyze them afterwards. But we all react or um, respond or control, like deal with situations differently. Um, And often it always comes back to protecting ourselves. So for you at that time, being around people was um, subconsciously and from like an evolutionary standpoint, that was being more safe, like to be protected with people around you. then again and i think that's why it's also so important to really come back to the point of everyone's experience of trauma is different so everyone's 
feelings are valid because one person like two people might go through the same thing but one like the responds differently but i it, it makes me so sad and angry too knowing that there are people that kind of have to bring up their wounds and project them on other people are not happy with themselves or because of something something going on at home or whatever the case may be I definitely think that this is something that people should be teaching in school, like yeah. um, mental health and how to heal is actually, actually as well. Because during those times that we can then be able to kind of prevent things from happening, uh, reprogramming. Yeah, honestly, I think that like something that I learned as an elementary school teacher was you have to make the information applicable to the kids. Like either like it's weird, like you could put it like in a game and they'll like hold on to it for so much longer than if you were just to like dictate the material. And I mean for adults I think yeah. it's pretty much the same thing. But I think that really from the source, I think that we should teach kids just like to not hurt each other. Don't yeah. project your emotions, like find other outlets for like self expression. If you're feeling like like yeah. maybe you're not happy in a certain situation, like talk about it to somebody and like just kind of like don't hold on to that don't hold on to that don't project it on others like learn how to deal in your own way or talk with someone about it so you don't cause this cycle of damage this cycle of hurt that you could prevent otherwise exactly on, on other people um which just then just kind of spreads <laughs> yeah um, and uh i think it's just like about parenting as well you know because i mean like parenting too like we don't know how to parent exactly we don't learn these things in school we have these traumas and we carry it through into the next generation of kids and we might not even be uh, aware of it yeah. i don't know like there's so much that could be said about mental health like about knowing yourself and it's really sad that not a lot of people put that much work into knowing themselves you know or that even self-help is like it, it's like shunned upon yeah i don't understand why someone would not want to grow but i i guess that's where the whole um fixed and growth mindset and you know, like people that are able to thrive longer with being productive and, and someone that's being more self-compassionate and focusing on growth and focusing on um being open-minded and viewing the world um in a broader perspective and just kind of expanding their consciousness and and trying to learn focus on um the things that can serve them rather than just feeding their mind with a lot of negative self-talk and around people and media outlets that don't really help so, yeah, yeah that's for sure yeah and i mean like it's so crazy just like in the workplace some of my best bosses that i ever had they were more compassionate they were more people they weren't like demanding like okay do this like i don't care about you just do the work you know like those were probably yeah. some of the worst bosses i ever had and like we're all people we all want to com connect on a like an emotional level to some degree and we want to feel heard understood and in a good work environment and a good work environment often includes you feeling like this person understands you to some degree that they could be kind to you genuinely yeah. yeah definitely i don't know if you had a, um have you heard of simon scenic he talks a lot about uh, like leadership and emotional intelligence in the workplace and being a compassionate someone that's compassionate as a leader um and they've done like tests with this with um actually the military too um but those the leaders that do the best and have the most loyal employees or in that case soldiers are mostly compassionate 
because we want to follow a leader that's going to lead us, not just boss us around. And someone that we know that we can feel safe with, that if a problem comes up, they can handle it. And that means that we will also be backing them up and be loyal enough because we, we like them so much that we will also be there for them. And it just works so much better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all humans at the end of the day. If you're like, if you have a human in front of you, like you're both wanting to understand each other. You don't want that power dynamic because that's that's just created anyways. That power dynamic, yeah. you know, and it doesn't exactly. help. It doesn't help. Like that's the thing. Like people don't understand. They think, oh well, it's better to kind of like rule with an iron fist and not show like my emotional side. But it's not true. Like you will get better results from your employees if you feel if the employees feel understood and everything. If they feel like they're cared about but if they feel like all that matters is the results they're of course going to produce because they have to but not because they really want to they won't feel the want to go that extra mile because they care about you like it's so important to kind of just be human and i think business is kind of like not sometimes businesses are not like that you know and uh, it's really a shame it really is a shame. Um, it's not very clever of the bosses that are not very compassionate because they would have such a much better workplace where people would come in not taking um, sick days off because of mental health or because they actually get sick because they are so overworked and burnt out. Mm-hmm. But people that are coming in and want to work hard um, and make the company thrive because they feel that mutual respect. And, and like you said, the, um, the authority is going to be there anyway because... We know that this is our leader instead of thinking oh this is a boss like i don't want to go to work <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i mean at one point i had like this uh this boss that i kind of like i felt like kind of like really inferior to them like they would talk down to me in front of others again those traumatic bullying experiences came up and i'm like hmm but i i know now like as an adult that you're just projecting because you're insecure about your own self and for a while i was taking it and then after that, I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to set this boundary. At first, they were so friendly with me. And I was like, wow, this person's really nice. And then all of a sudden, for like one day, it just changed. And it was like, hmm, am I really seeing your true self now? And then sure enough, that was that person's true yeah. self. It was very weird. It's like, I want to get to know you. And then after I get to know you and know your little tics and everything, then I could be my true self, which is just like you know rolling with the wow. iron fist and again it's like that whole like weird switch up of like oh i i thought i knew who you were but i i didn't but this time yeah. i kind of like went in like with a more i don't know like i i understood from my past and everything and i said okay this is bad behavior that i'm not going to engage in so i set that boundary and sure enough that boss afterwards just kind of like started easing up on me a little bit and i'm like i guess i did something right <laughs> so that <laughs> one at so least nice that one had at least a little bit of a happy ending some people don't set boundaries they stay in a job for years with an unhealthy work environment because of their boss or just because of other coworkers and everything and i think it's just like so important to just kind of like set that boundary and just kind of like not take those negative words to heart just uh i don't know to distance yourself from it a little bit you know absolutely yeah i think the workplace needs to change a little bit for that reason because bosses need to be more compassionate for sure ruling with compassion 100%. exactly coming back to compassion yeah no but it's so true um, mm-hmm. not just for ourselves but for the people of bosses or leaders as well yeah exactly um i read this book a while back called uh, quiet leadership 
and I really have to read it again. It was it was wonderful. Like it was during like my elementary school uh, like internship years, and it was really good. Like I because I, I I've never really been a loud person. Like I mean, I I don't like screaming and yelling. And, like, a lot of leaders often are seen as good because they could scream, because they could yell, because they could be the loudest person in the room. The, the book basically taught us, like, you don't need to be super dominant in order to be a good leader. You just right. need to, like, you need to appeal to people's emotions and everything. Like, I really have to reread that because, like, there was a lot of, like, good points in that book that I want to kind of, like, reflect on and everything, but... Uh, Honestly, like... What is the book called again? That sounds like a really good book. Yeah, it's uh, called Quiet Leadership. I'll, uh, I'll have to send you it later. I can't remember who the author yeah. is, but it's like a blue cover. Uh, yeah, Quiet Leadership. Oh, nice. Thank you. And again, it's like a self-help book and everything that... Uh, you know, a lot of people, like a lot of leaders do say that they read a lot, but like, what kind of books do you read? It's all about like... The whole mindset thing, you know, like read what exactly. like helps you become better as a person, and then eventually that could help uh, other people as well to feel nourished, to feel understood, to just kind of like build a better work environment and a better life environment yeah. just for everyone. Yeah, and and the, it also is like when we see someone do something that we um, like or respect for them, we kind of pick that behavior up ourselves mm -hmm. and, and learn. So it just grows from that too and even if it's not in the work we might take that through to just shops or <laughs> in um uh, with our friends or a partnership or other like any kind of relationships really that's absolutely true yeah so i mean it all starts with you right it all starts with you and like yes. what's going on in your mind so we talked a lot about self-care and just kind of like being good to ourselves i just wanted to know what some of your favorite self-care practices are um, so, if you follow me on stories, I know you do, um, <laughs> you know, I love my morning walks, Yes. So I always have my morning walks, <laughs> I need, yeah, I think being out in nature is definitely the top thing for me, because I just feel so grounded, and um, whether that's out in, like, with woods, or it's by the beach, I live, I live by the beach now, so that's why I always walk by the beach, but sometimes I just like to, um, take a trip away somewhere with woods and fields but anything with nature and just walking outside and just moving my body too just clears my head and yes endorphins going as well so I think definitely walking in nature is one of my favorites but then journaling and meditation as well and yoga I think as well but I actually think that um for example setting boundaries is I would add that into form of self-care mm. Uh, so I think setting boundaries is also one of them or just doing kind of any work on let's say a project that we have been putting off for the 10th time along if that's something that is causing stress or overwhelm I think being honest with yourself right now like do I need a face mask and blah 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 or do I actually need to go and work on this project that I've been putting off that's actually the cause of me feeling stressed and anxious and just overwhelmed for example then in that moment perhaps going and doing the project would be one of the things um and then after that when that's done we can go to the face mask and and, and blah, blah, blah. being honest and we are really realistic with ourselves what do i actually need in this moment and that would benefit us in the long run too but so i think boundary setting nature walks <laughs> journaling meditation and yoga <laughs> that's that's great 
Yeah, honestly, yeah. I love the end point too that you said that like self care. Like usually we think of self care as like oh okay bubble baths and maths and everything. Like we think of that like as like the main like basic ideas of self care. But self care is also it's addressing our needs. Like if we're having any unsolved、uh, anxiety or whatever, it's important to address it too. Even if it's not like you don't have to crank out a whole project in one day, but like taking a small step towards just. Working on that, like, is yeah, for sure a form of self care. I've never thought of it that way, so that's a that's a wonderful point. You should work on what you want to to accomplish whatever goal you're maybe putting off. It could be a little bit of productivity here and there towards creating a better life for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Doing something that's going to take me and、um, where I want to be for the whole.、Um, but I mean. That will always vary. Some days taking a bubble bath and、um, having a face mask will be the best thing,、um, but other days it will be to do a work on something that I know is actually causing my anxiety and stress.、Um, so I'm actually taking charge of it at the root cause. Yeah, exactly. And I also love how you mentioned moving your body and nature, or just like doing yoga is like so important. It's like it's so transformative to just like go outside even for like fifteen minutes, like. Even ten minutes, like you could go outside for、yeah. really, even five minutes. It doesn't matter as long as like you're getting fresh air, vitamin D. Even on a rainy day, if you just go outside for a little bit of fresh air, it makes a huge difference. And I think that your mindfulness practices too are really good. You know, like meditation and journaling, definitely huge self care things too. That like a lot of people feel obliged to do. You know, some people feel really like ah,、oh, I have to meditate、yeah. now. It's really, it's really a shame because then you're not really getting the most out of it. Like、exactly. you have to want. It. Like self care again is like it's not a one size fits all type thing. Do what works for you. Some people like I tried to get my husband into meditation. He likes to do like kind of like programming and everything. To him, that's sort of like meditation or like something else kind of like in his own life could be a meditative practice. It doesn't have to be sit down, close your eyes, and work on your breathing because that works for me. But maybe it's not going to work、yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah. You can do the you can be doing walking meditation as well. Like just when you're outside. Not listening to a podcast or anything, just being literally just being in the present moment and focusing on what you are doing at that、mm-hmm. specific time. So yeah, as you said, like meditation just ha- doesn't have to be having your legs crossed and then focusing on your breathing and like being.、Mm, it doesn't have to be that. It's whatever <laughs> kind of works for us, like for you. Basically, just design self care to what you enjoy doing and what works for you.、It、doesn't have to be because it's like you said. Like if we don't even want to. Do meditation, then we're not going to get the benefit from it anyway. So、mm-hmm. we want to be doing things that we we enjoy doing. That's going to give us the kind of benefit that we want from self care. Yeah, absolutely. Your needs differ from day to day. You don't want to meditate、yes. today, then just don't read a book or do something else. You know, you even just like listen to a podcast or just like do nothing at all. Just like sit in silence and just kind of like be like with your thoughts because maybe there's something that's unsolved. In you right now, that's not allowing you to be calm、yeah. or whatever, you know, and it's okay to address that. How do you stay motivated to keep on creating content? I think that I mean there are days where I feel like I can't really, I don't know what to write, I don't know what to do, but I I try to make content like either two weeks or a whole month ahead. <laughs> Sometimes I struggle on the day to kind of be pushed back. Um, because obviously, like it's all about creativity and having the creative、um, juices flowing, and that can come and go whenever、mm. it wants to. So, <laughs> yeah.、Uh, so for me, and that's kind of the same with、um, 
with motivation. So the momentum that I have is I just love doing it and I've always felt like this is what I want to do. So I feel like I'm in alignment with my true self. But I'm thinking of the people that, like my followers, the people that's going to see the potentially what I'm focusing on. Like, yeah, I think that's always in the back or the front. I don't really know where it is, but it's somewhere. (laughs) I'm always thinking of of my followers that this post can help them in some way. It, It just comes back to me enjoying creating the content, I think, and having that in the back of my mind, knowing that it's gonna help someone. Yeah, I mean, even on the days I might be struggling of knowing what I'm going to write, I still just do it. I mean, I think that's what a lot of us do as content creators, because some days, of course, you don't feel the creative juices are flowing. I mean, it kind of feels not genuine when you have instances like that, and sometimes I choose not to post on certain days because I just don't feel it, you know? Because I'd rather produce content that I actually really connect with than just content for, like, the uh, production's sake. Yeah. I don't want to do yeah. that because I'm doing you guys a disservice and I'm doing myself a disservice. Like, it's not serving anybody at this point, you know? Exactly. And I, I understand what, it mean, like, what uh, you mean too, just kind of like to have the creative juices flowing. And I think for sure planning your content beforehand is really beneficial because like if you have content from that exact day and everything, you might not be feeling like you want to talk about that content or whatever. Like maybe you want to maybe not talk about anything at all but it's important to kind of just like have these thoughts already prepared to kind of like help people in the future all right yeah we've covered we've covered a lot of points here just like with full scope oh my oh, wow. we've been having such a productive conversation and i'm i'm really really happy to have spoken with you about all this so jesse <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to the show it was a pleasure having you hearing your insights about life and just like inner child work and I, I hope that you uh, I hope that you stay like in this community and we can continue to stay supporting each other because I really appreciate having you here. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on here and thank you for asking me to come on. And yes, absolutely, we're gonna stay in touch. So thank you once again for listening and supporting the show. The best way to find the show is on Spotify under Common Sense Living. You can also visit my website at commonsenseliving.ca where you will find all my content centralized in one place. And you could also find me on Instagram at common underscore sense underscore living. Lastly, I really want to thank Jesse for coming onto the show. Clearly, we were able to address a lot of very personal topics that were near and dear to both of our hearts, and apparently we have a very similar way of thinking. So it was really nice to meet a like-minded individual such as her, and I definitely enjoyed sharing her conversation and my conversation with all of you. And I really hope that you could gain something out of it. So if you are interested in all things healing and mindset, you could follow her on Instagram at nevermindblog underscore, or you could visit her on her website at nevermind.blog. You will be able to find all of her content centralized in one place over there, as well as a lot of her blog posts that are quite insightful as well. So I will leave it on that note for this week, and I really appreciate you being here as always. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I look forward to speaking with you next time.